Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So we, uh, we're in the middle of a series right now called Open Handed, and uh, a lot of the ideas that we're talking about uh, come from a book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It's available in our info center the bookstore in there, so stop by, pick that up if you're interested in going a little deeper with some of these con, uh, concepts. Um, and I want to let you know, every week we've done something a little different to try to illustrate the story, and uh, we'll get to these tables in a minute. But uh, next weekend, you want to be here. So this is the thing. Maybe you haven't been offended by this series up to now. Today's your day. Today's the day you're probably going to be offended because I'm going to talk about tithing. And right now, some of you are like, turn on off your brain. I don't want to hear it. It's going to be different than the messages you've heard before, I promise. But, uh, but even if you're offended today, come back next weekend and it's going to be fun. I promise next weekend will be a, a service that, uh, that you'll never forget if you're here next weekend. This is what I'm asking you to do. If you normally don't carry cash like most people don't, next week bring a little bit of cash with you to church. I'm not even going to ask you to give the cash to the church. We're going to do something with it to bless somebody, and it's going to be incredible, and uh, you won't forget it. So be here next weekend uh, and, uh, and see what God does. So is that, is that good enough? Bring cash. I'm not going to ask you for it next weekend. Okay. Um, there's a passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7 through 8. God is speaking Uh, to the nation of Israel, and he says, if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend to him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. We've talked about this over the last few weeks to some degree, but this is kind of the, the launching point of this series, that what we see is our heart and our hand are connected. If my heart is hard, then my hand is closed. If my hand is open, then my heart is softer. And what this means is when my hand is open, I look more like Jesus because Jesus is a giver. God is a giver. He's radically generous. And so when our heart is soft, we're, we're more likely to function and flow with the move of the Spirit in our lives, to hear the voice of God and respond to the voice of God. Uh, we're more likely to be generous. And, and this is where God wants us to live in an open-handed way where we say, God, everything I have is yours. I trust you with it. And what we see in this is that giving is about our heart. It's not about our money. It's about what's going on to drive decisions. And this is why discipleship and generosity are related, because we can't say we want to be like Jesus if we refuse to grow in our generosity. And so I've said this the last couple weeks, and I hope you get this. This series really can change your marriage. It can change your relationships. It can change your workplace. It can change your future if you just understand that generosity can transform your life. Um, one of the things I've talked about before and, and I want to remind you about is I believe that when we put God first, everything else falls into place. And I've, I've used this illustration before, but this morning when I put this shirt on, I started, I made sure I got the first button right. Because if you get the first button right, all of them fall into place. Because sometimes I've gotten dressed and I'm like, how do I have an extra button? And I'm like, oh no. And I started wrong and my shirt's all crooked, you know, and I look like a Picasso painting and I get to the bottom I'm like, okay, now it's right. What happens is if I start with the right one, everything else, I don't even have to think about it. It just works. And this is what happens in the kingdom of God. When we put God first in our lives, then everything else begins to fall into place. When I put God first in my life, I don't have to think about how to become a better husband. I naturally become a better husband when I put God first. I don't have to worry about how do I become a better boss or dad or any of those things because when God is my priority, everything else begins to fall into place. In Exodus chapter 13, God is speaking to Moses and he says this, 
In Exodus 13, uh, verses, beginning in verse 1, he says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the uh, Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. And so when, when God says the firstborn offspring of every animal belongs to me, this is emphatic. He can't be any more direct about this. This is not, there's no equivocation here. There's no kind of wavering. It's a very direct statement. So what he says is the firstborn, every human and animal. Um, When we look at the Old Testament from the beginning of time to Numbers chapter three, the firstborn male in every family was the priest for that family. So they were literally given to God to be the priest for the family. And they were raised up and trained and dedicated to the Lord to do those functions, to, to be the godly leader. And what we see is those people were given to God. They, God says, they are mine. And this is the truth in, in the families, but even in the animals. So if you skip down to verse 11 of Exodus chapter 13, it says, after the Lord brings you into the land of, Can- of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So what we see is this. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And some of you are thinking, man, I wish I would have sacrificed my son a long time ago. He's killing me. (laughs) I don't know if my child can be redeemed. So maybe I should strangle them. Like, oh, gosh. But what this is talking about when it comes to these animals is this, that there are two classifications of animals. There are clean and unclean animals. So what it describes here is uh, donkeys and lambs. Donkeys are unclean animals. So what it says is, hey, the unclean, the firstborn male donkey, the unclean animal, it either needs to be killed or redeemed. You either break its neck or you redeem it. And the way you redeem it is by killing a clean animal in its place. So the clean animal will redeem the unclean animal. Do you see a little foreshadowing here? Yes. So, so what we see is this idea that, that even all the way back in the book of Exodus, it's foreshadowing what God's going to do someday. What we see is that the firstborn clean animal redeems the unclean animal. What we see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. It's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. So he is he's an invisible God made visible. He's God incarnate, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. What we see here is is Paul is telling the Colossian church that, that God is preeminent. There's none near him, there's none close to him, there's none equal to him. Nobody lives in the same zip code as our God because he is so far beyond all other gods. There is none close to him. So what he says is he is first in all things and actually says he is the firstborn of all creation is the way it describes him. So what we see is he is the firstborn of all creation. He is the one that was clean. He is the clean animal. We are the unclean animal. We are the donkeys. And by definition, we are to be killed or redeemed. We can't redeem ourselves. the death or sacrifice of the clean has to redeem the unclean. And because God has redeemed us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, we're made clean today. See, God is in the business of restoring and redeeming. That's what he's all about. 
And this principle we see here is that the first redeems the rest. God is always first in our lives, even if we don't put him first in our lives, if that makes sense. If if I decide, God, I'm not going to put you first, it doesn't change his place in the cosmos. He is still first. Just because I don't make him Lord of my life doesn't mean he's not actually Lord of my life. We just don't realize it until the end of the story. See, the clean has to be sacrificed so that the unclean may be redeemed. This is why God directs us to tithe. You're like, how did this come in? Because the first redeems the rest. And some of us think that the tithe is 10%. I want to explain something to you today. Um, the tithe is not 10%. The tithe is actually the first 10%. Because what I want you to hear today is God is not second in any way in our lives. He wants to be first, period. Some of you are wishing you'd stay at home and watch it online today, aren't you? See, the first 10% is what it's important to God because the faith to give the first is what activates blessing in our lives. Because we say, God, you are first in the cosmos, you are first in my life, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you and put you as first even in my finances. I'm gonna take the first tenth and give it to you and trust you with it. And if you don't think this is a priority for God, then I want to walk through a couple passages of Scripture with you. And if you get mad today, I'd love to talk to you, but don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, so I'm sorry if you're upset with me. (laughs) Take it up with Jesus. Uh, If you look at the children of Israel, they cross into the Promised Land. The very first city they encounter is the city of Jericho. So it's the first city of the promised land that they encounter. And God says, I'm going to give you this city. Here's what you're going to do. And they march around the city. It's a fortified city, huge walls. And they, walk, they march around, they sing, they cheer, and the walls fall to the ground. God wins the victory for them. Now, God wins the victory, and he says, this is my city. Bring all the silver and gold to me, to the, to the tabernacle, to the house of God. Bring it to me because it's mine. And what he's saying is this principle is true, that the first belongs to God, Period. That the first is his. And when we trust him with the first, he redeems the rest. And so the plan was, until it went sideways for the Israelites, until they got disobedient, was, hey, I'm going to win this battle for you. You bring the first to me, and I will, I will redeem the rest for you. I will give you the rest. And they got disobedient, and, and they ended up living with the, 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 the people that they were supposed to drive out, and it just didn't work out. But this principle is still true. The first redeems the whole. In Romans chapter 11, verse 16, from the New American Standard Bible, it says this, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. It says if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. If I think of dough, I think of doughnut. I know. It's just, look at me. You'd think that, right? Uh, I think of doughnuts. And if I think of doughnuts, I think of Krispy Kreme, and I like me some Krispy Kreme. Is there anybody else who likes some warm Krispy Kreme? Hot now, right? Like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I've heard of people getting blacked out drunk. I've never been blacked out on Krispy Kremes before, but I wouldn't mind trying. <laughs> and this verse says, if the first bit of dough, the first lump of dough is holy, so is the whole lump. And what we think of is, hey, God, I'm going to pray over my donut. And if this donut is holy, so is the whole lump. Thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> oh, bless this lump, Lord. That's not what it means. I want to help you with something. <laughs> what it's talking about is this idea that if you've got a lump of dough and you're making some bread and you take out a portion of dough for the Lord as a sacrifice or as an offering 
it redeems the whole lump. And in fact, when you see this word first here, it says if the first piece of dough is holy, what this word is, is it's a parquet in the Greek, and it means first fruit. And the word a parquet is a compound word, and the word, the compound word literally means the first set aside or the set aside first. So what we do with the first fruit is we say, God, I'm gonna set aside what's important to you, this first part. I'm gonna say, God, this is yours. I'm gonna set it aside because you are first. I'm gonna put you first in my finances. And because I do that, the whole lump is gonna be holy. The rest of this is gonna be redeemed because I'm trusting you with the first. Uh, it goes on to say, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. Now, this is what I want you to understand. This principle is true in our walk with Christ because we are not righteous in and of ourselves. We are not good in and of ourselves. Um, but we are redeemed because the firstborn was sacrificed to redeem the rest. The clean was sacrificed to redeem the unclean. And because Jesus is the clean, we take on his righteousness. Now, we are righteous because he is righteous. So if the root is holy, so is the tree holy. Because Jesus is our root, he is the way it began, we are the way it finishes. The first governs the rest. So the way something begins dictates the direction of its, of its growth. And so what we see is if the first of it is holy, the rest of it is holy as well. And this is true in our finances. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And this is talking about our possessions, what we have. And with the first fruits of all you produce, and this is all of our increase, all of our income, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So over and over and over again in Scripture, we see God command us, honor me first, put me first. And it is not about our money. God is not trying to figure out how to pay his bills. God's not in heaven going, the lights are flickering. He's like, people, people, we need some more money in here. We're, we gotta pay the electric bill. We, maybe we put up some solar panels, right? We save some, and that's not what he's doing. He, he understands that this is about our heart. If you believe that any 10% will do for God, uh, I, I wanna show you something in scripture. In Genesis chapter four, we're going all the way back to uh, creation story, just after the creation story, Adam and Eve had sons, Cain and Abel. And a lot of you, even if you're not a believer, even if you aren't following Christ, even if you don't read the Bible, you might have heard of Cain and Abel. They were brothers. Cain killed Abel after the story we're about to tell. And it's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of his firstborn lambs from his flock, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, if you just look at this at face value, you go, well, this doesn't seem fair, does it? They both brought gifts. What was the difference? Well, the difference is the first, because it said Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And then Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs. So they both brought gifts, but they were different gifts. See, Abel said, God, you are first, and I trust you as first, and man, you are so good, I wanna honor you as first. I wanna put you in a place of honor, so I'm gonna take the first and the best. I'm gonna look through my flock, and man, this is the firstborn of my flock, but you know what, this one is the very best. 
Man, I, my nature says I want to keep that one because that one's going to bring me some money. Man, it's going, to, it's going to be good. But you know what? I'm going to give this one to God because God deserves the honor. So he takes the firstborn, the best of, and he says, God, I'm going to give it to you. And then we have Cain who says, man, I've got this harvest for my field. So you got a rancher and you got a farmer. And Cain, as the farmer goes, man, I've got this grain. Yeah, just give some of it to God, whatever. It's fine. He'll be good with it. And the reason God's rejecting it is not because God's on keto, okay? He's not a carnivore, and he doesn't want that grain. That's not it at all. But what God sees is one is the first, and it's the best of the first, and one is some of. And this isn't about the gift itself. I want you to hear this. It's about the heart behind the gift. God honored Abel. It said he accepted Abel and his gift because he recognizes the heart behind the gift. He said, the heart that says, God, I want to put you first, I accept that heart. And the heart that says, God, I'll give you some. I've got some leftover. I've got a little bit here for you. God says, I can't accept that gift. And I can't accept you, Cain, for, for giving that gift. Because that doesn't represent honor to God. It doesn't put God first. And remember, God cannot be second. It is not about the gift. It's not about how much money you, you have or how big the check is. It's about you honoring God as first in your life. That's what God blesses. That's what activates the blessing in our lives. If, if you had a birthday party and you invited me to your birthday, I'd probably ask what kind of cake you got. And you'd say, vanilla. And I'd say, I'm sorry, I can't be there then. And you'd say, well, it's actually split half and half, like a swirl thing. And I'd say, what kind of icing is it? Is it the like whipped icing or is it like the big, thick, chunky icing? No, it's the whipped icing. Okay, I'll be there then. I'd show up to your birthday party and I'd walk in and everybody's gathered around and you're in the seat of honor at the head of the, head of the table with a cake in front of you. The candles are lit. The moment's about to happen. People have their cameras ready. And I walk in and everybody's excited for you. And I go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Pardon me one, just for one second. I'm so sorry. If you don't mind, and I nudge through the crowd, get up to the table, and I say, can I borrow that knife? And I just cut off about a third of that cake. I blow the candles out on it, take the candles out, and I just take it off with me to the other room, and I sit down and begin eating it. <laughs> what do you think would happen in that room? Like, what is going on? How hungry is that guy, right? Like, what, what is happening to him that he just took your spotlight? This is your cake, this is your moment, and he just jumped in and hogged it, right? See, this was a moment when somebody else deserved to be honored, but I stole the spotlight. I hogged the cake for myself. Because we all know if you're the birthday boy or the birthday girl, you get the first piece. Why? Because it's your day. It's your place of honor, right? And what happens so many times is we fail to honor God, and as crazy as it would be to walk in and eat somebody else's cake on their birthday, that's what we do all the time. We fail to honor God with our first fruits, because we go, I'm starving. This is mine. It's about me. And I want you to hear this. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. There is no middle ground. He's not kind of Lord. He's either first or he is last. There is no in between. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is emphatic again. It says, every first tenth is God's. Every first fruit belongs to him. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaks into this. And he says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? 
What will we drink? What will we wear? These things will dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. See, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So what does he say? He said, don't be focused on things like what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? Because he said, unbelievers think this way. Another interpretation says pagans think this way. Um, and so if that's the stuff we're focused on, we're thinking like the world thinks. Because what he's saying is, no, 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 seek first the kingdom of God. Put God's kingdom first in your life, and then everything else will fall into place. Remember, we talked about that earlier. God's kingdom is a priority for us, and when that is, then everything else works right. We don't have to worry about how are we going to get by, how are we going to make ends meet, because we put God's kingdom first, and he blesses us. I don't know if you notice this. At the very last verse, it says, seek God's kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you want. He doesn't say everything you want. Nobody's going to correct me on that. He says everything you need. So I want you to hear this. This is not a give to get gospel. We don't give. We don't give in the offering box and then go, okay, God, now give me my speedboat. <laughs> just doing circles out on the pond out there. God, I need a speedboat. My life will be complete if you just give me a speedboat. So God, give me the speedboat. Okay, God, I understand. I'll give to you, then I'll get the speedboat. That's not how this works. This is amazing, though, because what happens is it says when we put the kingdom of God first, he'll give us everything we need, and we probably don't need a speedboat, right? But what happens, it's, it's crazy. When we put God's kingdom first, we do get what we want because what God does is he begins to shift our wants to look more like his wants. And so what happens, it's kind of, it's kind of clever of God because what happens is um, we go, man, I want the speedboat. And the more we put God's kingdom first, the more we start to go, you know what, maybe I don't need that speedboat after all. You know what, maybe, maybe, I don't know why it is. Maybe I want to give that missionary. Maybe, maybe I'll, I should help them. And it's crazy how our wants begin to shift when we put God's kingdom first. Malachi chapter three. Starting in verse six, it says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. I love this. God says, I want you to know something. Lucky for you people that I don't change. I'm good and I'm still good. That's why you're not dead yet. That's why I haven't taken your lives. That's what he's saying. I love that. God's very direct. Verse seven, for from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So what God's saying is, hey, um, from the days of your fathers, you have turned and run from me. You've failed, uh, you've failed to pay attention to the things I've asked you to do. You've, you've neglected the statutes that I've put before you. And verse 8 says, will, will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Now listen to verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So he says, listen, because you are not putting me first in your finances, you're robbing me. You're taking what is mine and you're using it for yourself. Now, again, I want to remind you, God's not trying to figure out how to pay the bills. God's not concerned with the dollars. He's concerned with their hearts. He's saying, hey, what's, what is the sim this is a symptom. The, the, the fact that you're not giving is a symptom of what's going on in your heart. So he's saying, I'm concerned with what's going on in your heart. 
And you're cursed not because of your money. You're cursed because of your heart, because you, were, you failed to put me as first. You failed to trust me in first place. So this is what he says in verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So what he says is the, the, first, first, the first, first fruit is what he's really saying. Into the storehouse that there may be food in the house and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Did you hear what he said again? I want to make sure that's clear. Till there is no more need. Not till there is no more wants. This is not a magic trick that God will give us everything we want if we just give him some money. What this is, is God bringing our hearts into alignment with his kingdom and saying, if your heart's in alignment with me, I'm going to take care of all your needs. You're, you're not going to need anything, I promise, if you just trust me. That's what God is saying. Verse 11 says this, I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruits of your, or so he will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. So what we see here is this word devourer. And a lot of times we think the devourer is Satan. The devourer isn't Satan. Uh, the devourer in this context is lots of different things. It can, be, um, it can be inanimate objects like weather. It could be fire. It could be uh, pestilence. It could be disease. It could be uh, animals. It could be uh, insects that are eating the crops. It could be other human beings. It could be conflict, swords. So what we see is this word has lots of um, lots of, of implications depending on the context. But one of the things that I think is so interesting is one of the contexts is to be wasted. So it's sometimes we are the devourer of our own fields. We waste them on ourselves sometimes. I, I want to illustrate this to you. I want to show you what we're talking about. I'm going to ask some of my team to come and give me a hand with this uh, because I want to show you what this looks like in a practical context, in a practical setting. Do we have everybody we need? All right, they're coming. So this is what I want you to hear. God will not be second in our lives. When we put God first, there's a blessing that rests on the rest. Uh, the first redeems the whole. The first sets the tone for the whole. And so when we trust God with the first, the rest is redeemed. Man, the baby up there loves my preaching today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, what do we got here? Cabbage. The first fruit of your cabbage, we bring it to the Lord. We say, God, thank you for bringing me cabbage. I don't love cabbage, but I know around here at Western Pennsylvania, a whole bunch of people do. God bless you. Cabbage from Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm honoring you with the first fruit of my cabbage. Jesus, thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for bananas. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Thank you for bananas, Jesus. You are, you are first in my life, so I'm going to make you first in my income, in my increase. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to put you first. There it is. And, and what we see is, is God gives us all we have. Again, this is all God's. But what God says is, honor me with the first fruit. You take the first and give it to me. Thank you. You give the first and honor me with it. You make me first in your life, and then I will redeem the rest. Thank you for cantaloupe. I honor you with my first fruit of cantaloupe in the name of Jesus. There we go. Bag of apples. By the way... God may not be on keto, but I am, and I can't eat any of this stuff. Thank you, Jesus, for apples. First fruit of our apples comes to God. We say, God, I honor you with it. And it's not because God needs my apples. It's because God needs me to put him first. Let me say it this way. 
God knows that I need to put God first because when I put God first in my life, everything else falls into proper place. So God, thank you for the first fruit. I'm gonna give it back to you and I'm gonna give it back joyfully because I know when I give it to you, you redeem the rest. You make the rest right. So God, I'm gonna give you the first tenth of everything that comes in so that you can be glorified in the rest, so that you can redeem the rest. Look at these little baby watermelons. Little baby watermelons, so cute. Thank you, Jesus for the little baby watermelons you gave me. We honor you as first. I'm gonna put you first in my life, and so I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna honor you with this first fruit. And this is what I want you to understand. We can't give something that's not ours. We bring something that's not, that's not ours. So what we do is we say, God, I'm gonna bring back, thank you very much, I'm gonna bring these oranges to you. These aren't my oranges, God, these are your oranges. So I'm gonna honor you with the first fruit that's yours. So I'm bringing back to you what is rightfully yours. A few weeks ago, Steph McCoy was sitting on the front row and she brought me a $100 bill. Now, she didn't give me that $100 bill because it wasn't her $100 bill, it was my $100 bill. She was just bringing it back to me. She couldn't give me that $100 bill because it's not hers, it was mine. So what she did is she just simply brought back to me what I had given her. And this is what we're doing. We're saying, God, I'm gonna put you first in my life. I'm gonna put you first in my finances and I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna bring back to you that which is yours and you're gonna redeem the rest. And what God says is, this is all mine, but bring back the first tenth, and I'm gonna let you keep the rest. Even beautiful, delicious butternut squash. Some of you are wondering, what in the world is wrong with that apple, right? It's a butternut squash, that's why. Thank you, God, for the first fruit of my life. Thank you for every gift you've given me. I acknowledge that it's all come from you, that none of this is mine. And what God says is, if you will honor me with your first fruit, with the first tenth, then I will redeem the rest. See, we think 10% is a lot, and in reality, it is, especially if we're living paycheck to paycheck. But what God says is it's not yours, though. It's all mine. And if you'll trust me with this, I'll let you keep this. And that's a pretty incredible trade-off when God says that. Now, this is what happens when we see in verse uh, 9, it says, you're cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. What happens is in our lives, we go, man, I'd like to put God first financially, but I'm not, I'm not sure if I can because... Man, we got a lot of needs, and I've got kids and travel baseball, and, uh, and man, I've got some hobbies that I need to take care of, and, uh, and God's sorry, I'm taking the cabbage back, but uh, man, I had an emergency at work, and so, you know, I got to, sorry, this is, I'm taking this all back, God, I'm sorry. So what are we doing? We are literally robbing God. We're taking from God. And this is what I want you to hear. Uh, the tithe is either brought to God or it's stolen from God. There is nothing else. We either bring it to God or we're taking it from him. That's what we're doing according to scripture. Malachi chapter 11, it says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And you go, well, Mel, I'm not a farmer. So I don't have to worry about pestilence coming and, and destroying the fruit of the soil. That doesn't work in my life. But, but this is what happens for us. Uh, for so many of us, when we don't put God first in our lives, things begin to creep into our lives. Maybe little habits, maybe little addictions, maybe, maybe things that uh, maybe aren't illegal, but just things we maybe shouldn't be a part of. And I'm gonna get in your business now. So maybe we say something like, um, well, I mean, gambling is legal, right? So what's the harm in me gambling a little? And, and I've got bad news for you. Do you know why the casinos are so big? Because the house wins. They are taking money from people more often than not. 
They are, they are taking money from people. They're, they're not a nonprofit organization. They're building this gigantic building in, in Atlantic City. So they're taking money from people because that's their business. So we're not going to win in the long run when it comes to gambling. So what happens is that we go, well, I'm going to win. I'm different. And I know. And here it goes. And what happens is we lose it. It disappears. It, it goes away. And we go, well, God, man, God, why am I losing this money? Maybe we've got a, a problem with, maybe we've got a problem with alcohol and we drink too much. And... Night after night, we're going to the bar. We're wasting our money. We lose it. It vanishes. It disappears. Not because the locusts are coming, but because we are wasting what God's given us. See, good stewardship is not just about bringing back to God what is his, but it's about managing all that he's given us well. Dave Ramsey, uh, if you don't know Dave Ramsey, he's fantastic, uh, biblical, uh, Biblical financial planner. I mean, wonderful, wonderful guy. Anyway, he said this. So if you're upset with what I'm about to say, that's Dave Ramsey. I would never say something like this. It's Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey says that in the United States of America, you shouldn't need a miracle to live on 90% of your income. And if, if cutting your income by 10% uh, puts you in a financial bind, it probably means that there's a management issue in your finances. And if you're sitting here today and that stings a little bit, I would challenge you and ask you, because statistically, most people in the United States live paycheck to paycheck, and it's because we don't manage our finances well. And so even if you don't give to God, we're just not managing our money the way God would have us manage our money. And so I would challenge you to step up and begin stewarding what he's given you well, because what happens is we get, begin losing that which is supposed to be God. We steal it because we manage it badly. We, we steal it because we're using it for our own selfish things. And what God says is, no, 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 bring the tithe to me. If you will trust me with the first fruits, I'm going to work everything out. I'm going to put everything else into its proper place if you just simply trust me. So put me first is what he says. See, 10% is under the law, if this is what you'd say, which I know some people do. You'll melt 10% is under the law. It's Old Testament. We're not under the law. We're under grace. I get that. Uh, and I just want to push back on you gently and say um, what Jesus does in the New Testament is he actually raises the standard from the Old Testament. So the Old Testament standard was about 10%. <clears throat> but what we see is Jesus shows up in the New Testament. And in, in Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> he's talking, he's preaching, and he says, hey, you know what the law says? The law says you shouldn't murder. And he said, but you know what I'm telling you? You shouldn't even hate. So he's moved the standard from murder to hate. He said, it's not good enough you just don't murder people. He said, now you can't hate people. That's hardcore. And he says, hey, the, the law says don't commit adultery. And he says, but I'm raising the standard. Now you can't even look lustfully at a woman because it's the same as committing adultery. And so what he's saying is the standard is not just about simply what you do. The standard is what's going on in your heart. And again, it comes back to this Cain and Abel thing. God accepted Abel and his gift because of what was going on in his heart. He didn't accept Cain and his gift because of what was going on in his heart. It had nothing to do with the amount. It had everything to do with them saying, God, I'm putting you first. I'm putting you first with my best gift. I'm honoring you with that. When we put God first, blessing throws, flows through us. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, Then all nations, so after we all we just read from Malachi, it says, Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. He says, if you honor me with your first, if you, if you will 
bring your first fruits to me. He said, I'm going to be able to bless you. And I'm not blessing you just so you can be blessed. And I've said this a million times. God doesn't bless us to make us comfortable. He doesn't bless us to make us happy. God blesses us to be a blessing. God blesses us to bless those around us, to bless ministries, to bless uh, churches, to bless our neighbors. In Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram from the land he was in to the promised land, he says in verse two of Genesis 12, and I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God is blessing us to bless others, but God can't bless you if you don't put God first, if you don't trust him with your first fruits. Um, recently, Relevant Magazine published an article, uh, and it, in that article it described what, would, what our nation would look like if every person who calls themselves a Christian would begin to, to tithe, a true 10% of their income. It says if all Christians would begin to tithe, we'd have $165 billion extra dollars for kingdom purposes. $25 billion would end world hunger and preventable disease within five years. Within five years, there would be no more people dying of starvation. There would be no more malnourished children. It would, it would fix the problem. Just 25 billion. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issue. So clean drinking water for literally every human being on planet Earth. $15 billion. There's sanitation issues. Um, we don't relate to it in, in our country as much, but there's over a billion people living worldwide that live on less than $1 per day. And most of those people have sanitation issues. And what that means is um, they have contaminated water, or they don't have proper sanitation, and these people are at risk of dying from things as simple as diarrhea. $15 billion would fix that and fix it permanently. $12 billion would end illiteracy within five years. Every human being on planet Earth would know how to read. It would raise the education level, allow people to have opportunities that they don't currently have. $1 billion would fully fund foreign missionaries. Every missionary worldwide would be taken care of. That leaves us $112 billion left for kingdom purposes. Can you imagine what the church of Jesus could do with $112 billion? Can you imagine the impact we could make? We talked about this a few weeks ago. There is a gap between our vision and our resources. Every growing thing needs resources to live. And what we see here is there is opportunity in front of us if everyone would just say, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. Some of you are familiar with Beth Moore. <clears throat> she is a writer, an author, a speaker. <clears throat> and she, uh, she tells a story, and I just read this recently, but she tells a story. She went with a missions organization overseas, flew into this African nation, <clears throat> and they were delivering seed to this, um, this, this area that was ravaged by, by um, famine. And so they, they land, and they're unloading these this pallets of seed off the plane. She gets off the plane, and they go on this tour of the area, and they come back to the plane later that day to fly out. And when they get back to the airport, uh, she looks over, and she sees these gigantic pallets of seed, and they're guarded by armed soldiers. And she said, she said, why are these pallets guarded by armed soldiers? Why are these men? Hey, Steve. We got a click over here. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Why are these pallets being guarded? <laughs> she says, Why are these pallets being guarded by armed soldiers? Because it doesn't make sense, right? And the missionary said, You don't understand. <clears throat> the people are so hungry that if 
they weren't guarded by these soldiers, they would come and eat all the seed that's intended for their future. And what we see is this story bears itself out over and over and over again. I read a story this last week. There's a, a, a village in China where this happened. Because of the weather patterns, it destroyed their harvest, and these families were having to decide, do we eat our seed or do we plant the seed? And it's this terrible choice that they have to make. But this is what I recognize. So many of us will say things like, like man, I wish I, could, I wish I could give to the church, but I just can't. I wish I could trust God with my finances, but I can't. I wish I could put God first, but I can't. And what we're really saying is, um, I'm, I'm eating the seed. I'm, I'm taking all of this and I'm consuming it all for me. And there's a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians I want to read to you. It says this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So it says God provides all the seed, both for sowing and for turning into bread. And he says he's going to multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. So the harvest is a heavenly righteousness, this heavenly harvest. It's not a tangible give and get thing. It's a, God's gonna manifest himself to you in some way in righteousness when we trust God with our first fruits. But he supplies the seed for the sower and bread for food. But unfortunately, so many of us consume everything we get. And God says, when you do that, you have nothing to plant. You have nothing to invest. You have nothing to sow. And there's no fruit from that. So many of us want to be fruitful, but the problem is we're consuming all the seed. And God says, I've got a harvest waiting for you, but you keep messing it up because you eat all the seed. So what he's inviting us into today is say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to honor you with the very best of who I am, my time, my talent, my finances. I'm going to, I'm going to put you first in my finances. I'm going to give you the first fruits because you deserve it. And when we do that, it's amazing what God does in our lives. I want to invite you to, to trust God in that way today. And I want to say this for you. I want, to, I want you to hear my heart. <clears throat> uh, this series was planned over a year ago, okay? We're not preaching this series to you because we're in financial need. This isn't a response to something going on in our bills. This is us saying, we want you to trust God first in your life. Instead of saying, I'm going to put Visa first or MasterCard first or anything else, God, I'm putting you first. It's about you, I promise. So I just want you to trust God. I want you to see what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to work and how when we put him first, he redeems the rest. Let me pray with you. Lord, thank you so much for giving us all you've given us. And God, we acknowledge today that every good gift has come from you and we thank you for it. So God, we're asking today, Lord, that you would minister in our hearts, God. You'd minister in the people that are here, God. You'd, you'd help us see you work. God, I pray for those that are struggling with this idea of putting you first in every area, God. I pray that you would make it real to us, God. Take away offense, take away, take away the defensive mentality, and help us see that this really is for our best, that this really is what you're asking us, inviting us into. God, I pray for those that are here that don't know you and aren't in a relationship with you. Let today be the day that we surrender it all. That God, um, we begin by giving you our hearts. So God, I pray for those that are here that, that have never fully surrendered their lives. Let today be that day that heaven celebrates with them. So have your way among us. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask if you're here today 
and you would say to me, Mel, I want to put Jesus first in my life. I want to surrender my life to him. I'm not in relationship with him. I don't know him, but I, I need to, and I want to do that today. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I just want to pray with you where you are. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. You can slip your hand up real high where I can see it. You can put it right back down. That that first redeemed the rest. Yeah, over here on my right, I see you. His sacrifice, the clean lamb redeemed the rest. He redeemed us. If you're here and you want to join this one that says, that's me, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord. I, want, I need to be redeemed. All right. I want to ask everybody in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this prayer with me out loud. I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving Jesus your only son to pay the price for my sins. His life redeems me. Thank you for that. From this day forward, you have my life. Use it for your purpose and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture tells us that you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And we want to help you take the next step in your faith journey. So if you prayed that and you meant it, um, please take just a moment and fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says need prayer, on the other side it says salvation. Fill out the side of the card that says salvation. And then simply take it to our information center when we finish here in just a little bit. Give it to them, and they're going to give you a new Bible and help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer today with us, I'm so proud of you, I'm so excited for you, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to, to invest in your walk with Christ today. And if you prayed that prayer with us, I would love for you to take just a moment and text us. Let us know. And you can text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're gonna respond back to you and we're gonna help you find a church in your area that you can begin to grow in your faith. So thank you so much for worshiping with us online today. We really do appreciate it. And thank you for making the best decision you'll ever make. Thank you so much for being here today. Now here's what's gonna happen right now. Uh, I'm going to pray a final prayer over you. And while I'm doing so, our prayer team's going to come forward. And they're going to be here at the front of this room. And uh, they're here to agree with you about whatever may be going on in your life. So if you're here today and you need prayer, you need a physical healing, uh, there's stuff going on in a relationship, uh, maybe you just feel anxious, you feel nervous. Uh, maybe you need to talk about surrendering your life to Christ uh, fully by saying, hey, I want to trust God with my finances, whatever it is. I just want to encourage you. When I say amen in just a moment and people begin to dis be dismissed, feel free, come forward, find somebody to pray with. If you just want to stay and pray, feel free to stay in your seat, kneel, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, and we're going to just pray in this place and make this place a house of prayer. And if you feel like God is done with you, when I say amen, feel free to be dismissed. But please do so reverently so that you don't disrupt what's going on here at the front of this room. So let me pray over you and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we love you and we're so grateful for every person in this place, every person that was watching online. I thank you that you have a purpose and plan for them. And God, that purpose and plan includes being a blessing to those around us. So God, I pray as we walk out of this place today, we would walk in the confidence knowing that we are children of God, that we are sons and daughters of the King. That God, we would walk boldly into uh, appointed places, work, school, uh, our neighborhoods, our communities, wherever it is. And we would carry your glory with us. We would carry your blessing with us so that we can be a blessing to those around us. God, give us eyes to see those that are hurting. Give us ears to hear the stories of people who need you. And I pray that our hearts would respond, that we would respond and be your hands and feet to this world. So thank you for every person that's here. Thank you for the calling that rests on them. Let them discover it this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Hey, I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great week.